Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. All right, Revelation, we made it to chapter 15 and 16, and I wanted to skip these because these are all about God's wrath, the bulls of wrath, but we're not going to skip it. Next week, we get into, guess what, Russ, you've been waiting, Babylon. Okay, who is Babylon next week? Uh, I don't know about you, but I remember, and I posted this on Facebook a, couple, a month ago or so, when America was great. When equality and love reigned, when America was the great melting pot, and people that came to this country, they became Americans. They actually played football and not the kind you kick, and, and ate apple pie, and it, it was the melting pot they called, but our the country has become so divided. Democrats and Republicans used to be able to have dinner together. Now all the Democrat friends I used to have have unfriended me. <laughs> Uh, the liberals, oh man, they could go out to dinner, they could do all of that. that I believe, huh? Is that a mullet? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country. I had a mullet, cowboy hat, cowboy boots. Is, oh my goodness, Lord have mercy. And mom and dad, if you're watching, yes, I still call people from Taft Hicks. I was one. I, maybe I still am. I remember when we stood for the national anthem in unity. Do you remember that? When it was sacred, when at the game, I mean, one of the best parts of the game was standing. I remember in high school playing football. And man, we would stand and honor that, man, we're Americans. There's something different about our country because I remember when Sundays, is it going? Everything shut down. Do you remember that? There was no sport, nothing for church. And I remember when America still believed in God we trust. We failed. So you wonder why the world is so divided, and you wonder why there are so many mass shootings. Right? I know this past week we just had one. I remember growing up, and we could have a loaded shotgun in our truck in the gun rack, park in the parking lot at high school, go out at lunch and hunt dove or quail, and come back and take classes with guns in our car, and there was no mass shootings. What happened between then and now? People's hearts changed. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, says, But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, fighting, arguing, backbiting, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control. I think that contributes to mass shootings. Brutal haters of good. Folks, people have changed, not God. In fact, God said in the last days they would be treacherous, reckless, conceited, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we mourn with all the terrorist attacks. That's from 2017, but that's where all most of the terrorist attacks occur. A few in the United States, a few in South America, mainly that 1040 window. We need to pray for the victims and pray that these people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
In fact, let's pray for them right now, shall we? Father God, I pray for all the victims of terrorism. And I pray that you would just, Lord, bring them to you, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so uh, all this uh, madness would stop. And we just uh, pray that you would just do uh, miraculous things. Protect your people wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we need to love one another, amen? Because they'll know we are Christians by our love. A few weeks ago, we talked about the document the Pope signed with the head imam. Do you remember that? Crazy. I mean, it, it, it's globalism. Guess what he just did now? Uh, Mark sent me this. I didn't even know it. I don't know why it didn't make the news. The Pope met with the top Mormon leadership in Rome to help dedicate the new Mormon temple. Okay, that's him, and, and they gave him the statue of Christ, and, and he is giddy. In fact, they walked arm in arm down the, the Vatican Villica. And, and like, so, now, remember we talked about the false prophet. He's going to bring the world religions together. What is the Pope doing? Man, he's bringing Islam and now Mormonism and anyone else that will meet with him into his one world global whatever it is. But it's not uh, truth <laughs> for sure. All right, turn to Revelation chapter 15. And we're going to jump into preparing for God's wrath. And we're going to cover the wrath of God, which is horrific. Ah. God is going to judge the world, and it's horrific, the judgments. We call them the bulls of wrath. And Revelation chapter 15, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, I would suggest read it in your Bible. If you don't, it's up on the screen for those watching online. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. Verse, uh, that Greek word, alos, for another, means numerically of the same kind. The idea is there was the first sign, the second sign, and now the third sign. And what are those signs? In the Greek, it's very clear. It's succession in order. They can't happen at the same time. reason why I say that is a lot of people say, all of these things happen at the same time. The, the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls are in order. So the first seal is the first trumpet is the first bull. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Uh, it can't be. It's another of the same kind in consecutive order, and it flows uh, in the text that this is the way it is. So first we have the seals, the first sign. Then, and that was a warning. The seals are warning the whole population of the earth to repent. God does not want to pour out his wrath on anyone. And so the seals, there's warnings. Who does the warnings? The two prophets, the two witnesses. Remember, no one can kill them, and they, and they prophesy for three and a half years, the first three and a half years. The Christians are fulfilling the Great Commission. Uh, persecution has always grown Christianity and spread Christianity. So we're doing that. It's, it's a warning that judgment is coming. And then the trumpet judgments, again, throughout the Bible, trumpets were a warning or a call to come together. And so the trumpet judgments are, again, warning, man, this is judgment, but you don't want to face my wrath because it is severe. 
And even during this time, an angel flies mid-heaven and says, repent, and they still most would not repent. And so it's in consecutive order. The last seven years divided right there where the abomination is, the line that just drew there. So we keep going in Revelation 15 too. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps. You can imagine before the throne of God this huge, vast, polished, clear translucent with with like orange stuff going through the floor it looks so probably science fiction futuristic you know he couldn't even figure it out he's like it's like a sea of glass um how many of you have ever uh been on the ocean and the sea was glassy you ever used that phrase man the sea is glassy today it's kind of that nautical term that he was using man it's so calm and beautiful it just reflects everything but those who had been victorious over the beast and the number of his name do you remember when i had a nike hat up here and we talked about what nike means the word victorious is nike in the greek and it means to overcome to conquer to be victorious in fact it's the same word used for each of the seven churches in fact revelation 2 7 i'll just remind you he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who Nikes, who is victorious, who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Revelation 2.11. He who overcomes, who is Nike, who is victorious, will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.17. <clears throat> to him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. Revelation 2.26, to him who overcomes and keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. So in our text today, that great group of people that he saw standing on the sea of glass before the throne of God is the raptured church. They overcame. They were victorious. That's the word throughout the New Testament. He who overcomes, he who perseveres, he who is victorious and doesn't compromise with the Antichrist. Revelation 3, 5, it says, He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Thank the Lord. All we need to do is overcome. How do we overcome? Who remembers? <laughs> through the blood of Christ and through faith, and I'm going to give you the verse in a minute. He who overcomes, I'll grant him to set down on my throne as I overcame and set down on my Father's throne, Jesus said. So how do we overcome? 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is our Nike, our victory, our ability to overcome the world. It's our what? Faith. We do it by faith, not by works, not by anything else, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He who is the one who overcomes, who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the simplicity of John 3.16. Constant prayer. Constant prayer. Oh, yeah. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to keep the Lord at the forefront of our minds. I do. Otherwise, I'm sucked into the world really easily. You know, I just need to keep the Lord right there with me all day long. All right. So back to our text, Revelation 15.2. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, 
And those who had been victorious, Nike, over the beast, and his image and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. Remember in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, John saw that same sea of glass around the throne. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Uh, so you can imagine how beautiful, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, how beautiful this is going to be. Isn't that going to be a glorious day when we're standing there? We will. And Mark will probably have a 12-string guitar instead of a harp. You know, just saying. You know, and Scott will have the, the git fiddle up here. <laughs> yeah. So the sea of glass. Is that how you say it, Randy? Git fiddle. fiddle. There you go. Verse 3, let's keep going. So what are they doing? They're singing the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Two songs are singing. What does Moses represent? The law and Christ represents the Lamb, the new covenant, grace. Okay, it's all about that. Uh, law is Moses, grace. John Phillips, who's a Bible commentator, I don't agree with everything he says, but I liked what he had to say about this. The song of Moses was sung at the Red Sea. The song of the Lamb is sung at the Crystal Sea, the Crystal Sea before the throne of God. The song of Moses was a song of triumph over Egypt. The song of the Lamb is a song of triumph over the Antichrist. The song of Moses told how God brought his people out from Egypt. The song of the Lamb tells how God brings his people into heaven through the rapture, really is what he's talking about. The song of Moses was the first song in Scripture. The song of the Lamb is the last song in Scripture. Interesting, right? The song of Moses commemorated the execution of the foe, the expectation of the saints, and the exaltation of the Lord. The song of the Lamb deals with the same three themes. So they're singing those songs. And what are the songs? When you go back to Exodus, we get a view, or Deuteronomy, <laughs> Exodus, Deuteronomy, uh, when Moses started singing this song. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were complete. They have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children because of their defect. Now, when are they singing this song? Right before God pours out his wrath on a world that deserves it. So this song is really talking about those that are going to be judged in the wrath of God while the rest of us are protected. Uh, <clears throat> they have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children because of their uh, defect but are a perverse and crooked generation. This is the song. The song goes on. You neglected the rock. Who's the rock always talking about in Scripture? Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah, on Christ's solid rock I stand. I love that song. All other ground. Okay, who begot you? Did Jesus create all things? Oh, yeah. All things were created through, by, and for him. And forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. I've, I'm skipping some of the song because it's pretty long. For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns in the lowest part of Sheol and consumes the earth which it yield and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. That's one of the bulls of wrath is fire. The earth gets scorched. So even Moses' song, and that's why they're singing it in heaven, in Revelation chapter 15, because the bowls of wrath that this song talks about prophetically are about to be poured out. 
I will heap misfortunes on them. I will use my arrows on them. And they will be wasted by famine, consumed by plague and bitter destruction. And the teeth of beasts I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things in the dust. Grapes of wrath, Songs of Moses is still going. Deuteronomy 32, 31. Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters are bitter. If I sharpen my flashing sword, Deuteronomy 32, 41, and my hand takes hold on justice, I will render vengeance on my adversaries. I will repay those who hate me. This is God getting ready to pour out his wrath. That's not until the very last half of the 70th week of Daniel. Deuteronomy 32, 43, Rejoice, O nations, and is with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. What's the wrath all about? Remember the martyrs under the altar in Revelation chapter 6? When the fifth seal is broken, they say, How long till you do what? Avenge our blood. That's exactly what Moses is predicting here. Um, and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and for his people. It is at the final uh, wrath of God, the last bull, the end of the 70th week of Daniel. Then it's the battle of Armageddon. And then we reign with Christ for a thousand years on this planet. <clears throat> There's another song Moses sang, and that one is, is in Exodus. And this one is after God had delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Okay, and, and they sang this song. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And it goes on to say, Exodus 15, uh, verse 6, Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Verse 7, And in greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them like chaff, referring to the bulls of wrath. Okay, both songs refer, but one is deliverance, and the other one is judgment or wrath on the, on the other people. Interesting, right? Rapture language in Moses' song, Exodus 15, 13. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. Where's God's holy habitation? Heaven. Where were the people standing when they sang this song? On the sea of glass before the throne of God. You've redeemed us. Oh, Lord. Man, you've brought us home. That, this is rapture stuff in Exodus and Deuteronomy. I love that. And uh, Israel will be protected, Exodus 15, 16. Terror and dread fall upon them, but the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. And that's the rapture of the church before all the trumpet judgments and wrath, and that's all of Israel being protected in the wilderness for the last three and a half years. Amen? We're in Revelation chapter 15. Good to see you guys. <laughs> no worries. Exodus 15, 17. And you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, and we know Jesus said, hey, I go to the tabernacle in heaven that was not made with human hands, but God himself made it. Wow. 
Okay, that is all rapture stuff. Those are the songs they sing. Now, the Song of the Lamb, we, we figured out the Song of Moses because it all points to the exact time when the raptured saints are standing before the throne of God and he's about to pour out his wrath on the earth. We're not certain what the Song of the Lamb is, but we do know earlier in the book of Revelation, <coughs> they were singing a song to the Lamb and about the Lamb, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And you have made them to be kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So it appears the raptured saints sing the song of Moses, pointing to the wrath and rapture, rapture then wrath. Then they sing the song of the Lamb, pointing to the millennial reign when they, we, will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Are you with me? Okay. So the songs actually were steeped in theological stuff. You know, real deep, prophetic, awesome, amazing stuff. And they go on to say, same with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So those could be the songs. Back to our text. We made it to Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. And it says this. They sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you, are, you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Interesting they're saying this right before he pours out the bulls of wrath, and the people will not repent. They will not recognize God. After these things, Revelation 15, 5, I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. That is the very throne room of God, the Holy of Holies, where God dwells. Verse 6, And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. So two things here. The temple in heaven is the throne of God. The, the temple on earth is a, an exact duplicate of the temple in heaven. It's just smaller, okay? So the Holy of Holies is literally where God's throne is, and he has a table of showbread. He has all the stuff that the, the Jewish temple on earth had, but it's really the throne of God in heaven. That's God's dwelling place and the throne room. It is like the Holy of Holies, uh, but much bigger, but the same dimensions. Really interesting. In fact, even the city that we're going to live in for eternity, 1,500 miles long, wide, and high, is the exact dimensions of the Holy of Holies, that perfect cube. Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he, greater and more perfect, that is to say, not of this creation. Oh, did I skip some? Oh, yeah. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he, oh, it's, it's hidden. It's not, 
their part of the verse didn't copy over. He went into the tabernacle in heaven, is what it says, which is greater and more perfect than the shadow of the one on earth. And that is to say that tabernacle is not of this creation. In fact, what is seen, we're told in scripture, is temporal. Uh, the, the second law of thermodynamics, everything goes from order to disorder. Entropy, everything goes to a state of equilibrium. But see, heaven doesn't do that. It's not affected. It's not of this creation. The second law of thermodynamics doesn't apply to that which is eternal. Amen? Oh, somehow I got the mouse over. There we go. So the dress code in heaven. Do you know there's a dress code in heaven? Okay, that's the other part of this verse. Check it out. Revelation 15, 6. Seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple. That's where the throne room of God is. Then they go out of the outer court, and that's in heaven. And then there's a vast expanse of who knows what. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven and check it out. We're going to get to hike, explore, do all this stuff, and give God glory for the beauty. Eye is not seen, right? Ear is not heard what's in store for us. It is going to be more beautiful than anything on this planet. Note this. They were clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. Who else is clothed in white robes with golden sashes in heaven? Jesus is. The Father, Revelation 1.13, In the middle of the lampstands I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. And that's an artist's depiction of that. Okay, these things aren't going to look like choir robes. These are going to be amazing fashion statements. No, I want you to know that. It's, 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 there's, there's one artist, well, no, that's actually a person. But that golden sash, it's going to be beautiful. Are you with me? It's not going to be like drab robes, you know, like Quakers. No, they're going to be amazing. Did I just say that? I was talking about the cereal. Uh, Quaker, does Quaker make cereal? Uh, no, literally, it's going to be like the most amazing toga party in the world. And some of you are like, what? What? A toga party? I, I got to tell you. The angels in heaven, do you know what they do when one sinner repents? They throw a party. Yeah, they celebrate. When one sinner repents, I mean, heaven is ongoing celebration. It is beautiful. In fact, Jesus said, remember, we had communion today. After communion, Christ said, I'm not going to drink wine again until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom, the Bema seat of, or the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. So when you consider that, we're going to be wearing awesome-looking togas and drinking wine with Jesus, that's the second thing we do in heaven. Is that cool? So I think it's fair to say the best toga party ever thrown is heaven. Okay. My parents are probably like, stop saying that, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Lord, I pray for all those that are, go to parties. Just convict them in Jesus' name. Amen. But we're going to go to a big party. <laughs> In heaven. All right. Okay. All right. Verse, uh, Revelation 19.8. And it was given to her, the church, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. And the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Revelation 7.9, speaking of the church. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, all tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne of God and the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. 
The next thing what happens in our text, Revelation chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, is something that never occurred ever. Not since the first time in creation. Revelation 15, 7. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven angels, uh, the seven uh, bowls that the angels poured out were finished. The wrath of God is done. So for the first time ever, what do we know that uh, 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 what's what's around the throne of God right now? Oh, dude, we have 24 elders, which are the angelic council, that spiritual council of uh, angels that have always been around the throne of God. We've got the seven angels that stand before the throne of God. We've got cherubim and seraphim above the throne. We've got this green, translucent, awesome rainbow and, and uh, myriads upon myriads around them, worshiping God and getting their moments to go and now, for the first time, that holy of holies in heaven is going to be shut to everybody except God the Father. Hmm. The Father alone will be in the throne room while the wrath is poured out. I can't help but think what he's going to be doing is weeping. Because the people that he's pouring out his wrath on would not repent. And I just figure, we talked about the silence in heaven, but the destruction of the beautiful earth that we're on that happens during the wrath is so overwhelming. I can figure all God is doing, even though it has to be poured out, he's like, leave me, get out, and just weeps like Christ wept over the nation of Israel. He loves you. He is not a vengeful, wrathful God, even though that's what we're talking about today. He gave these folks every opportunity to repent for the first time ever the throne room the holy of holies in heaven is empty except for god the father we are going to be at the marriage supper of the lamb with christ you know we will sing this song and then go back to our activities the angels who knows what they're going to be doing and the seven angels are getting ready to pour out god's wrath the bowls of wrath on the earth. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Same thing happened to Moses. Remember in Exodus chapter 30, or 40, starting at verse 34, it said, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, that's uh, tent of meeting where Moses would meet with God, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I mean, it's so consuming that no one could even withstand being there. So God's wrath is about to be poured out, and it is terrifying. But remember, all the innocents are gone by now. Only those who had hardened their heart, taken the mark of the beast, and refused to repent are left to experience the wrath of God. The church, all babies, Children under the age of accountability are all taken up in the rapture, okay? All of Israel is taken to the wilderness and protected for the last three and a half years, and only those who deserve to be here for the wrath are left. <clears throat> Revelation 9.20, it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues 
did not repent of the works of their hands, so as not to worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, nor their immorality, nor their thefts. Uh, Revelation 69, men were scorched with fierce heat. That's one of the bulls of wrath. Remember, we read about it in the Song of Moses, how God is going to burn uh, much of the earth. And they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. The people that are left for the bulls of wrath deserve the wrath that God is going to pour out. All right. In Romans 2.9, it says, Because of the stubbornness of your heart, an unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the right, righteous judgment of God. And that's in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Man, we need to have soft hearts, especially toward the Lord, but even towards one another. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the church and your family, even as Christ loves you, the new commandment Christ give, gave us. Zephaniah uh, prophesied about the day too. In chapter 1, starting in verse 15, A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. Remember, God destroyed the earth once by what? water the flood he said i'll never do that again he actually changed physics so that now when sunlight hit a drop or a prism it would actually disperse into the color spectrum and he made a rainbow for the first time god did that you know scientists don't really understand light it operates as a wave and it operates as a particle it does both they can't figure it out uh, it's it's a mystery to them and even how a light breaks down into the full spectrum of colors when it's bent through a drop of water in the sky or whatever, I think God changed physics and made the rainbow as a covenant so that we would know, guess what? I'm never going to destroy the earth with water again. But guess what he does with the bulls of wrath? Fire. Okay. The whole earth is going to be scorched. All right. And now God's wrath is about to be poured out. God the Father is alone. I already went over that. Okay. So, Revelation chapter 16. We made it there. Thank the Lord we're almost done with these bowls of wrath. Woo! Hallelujah. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of wrath from God. And let's go over them quickly. Because of the stuff... Oh, I already read that too. All right. Did I go backwards? Whoa. Okay, Revelation 16, 2. So the first angel went and poured out his bull on the earth, and it became a loath loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped him. All right, so the first bull of wrath are malignant sores all over their body, and it's only those that took the mark of the beast. Remember, when they did that, they pledged allegiance to Satan, thinking he was the good God. Remember, Satan's going to say, hey, I'm the good God. That other God, Yahweh, he's bad. Worship me. Hey, my Antichrist is your Messiah. My false prophet, 
man, he's the religious dude that's going to lead you to me. So it's going to be a whole religious system, and he will come as an angel of light to deceive many. So they're going to think they're serving the right song. So they take the mark of the beast, and only those that pledge their allegiance, could we say sell their soul to Satan? I mean, in a real way, that's an eternal damnation. They're going to get all these lo loathsome sores. You ever had a, a bad sore that hurt real bad? Um, I had a motorcycle wreck once on the street, and I got all scraped up, and those sores hurt, you know, when they're healing, and ah. Verse 3, the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. Now note this. This really grieves my heart. Randy, you too, I bet. And it became like blood, became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the ocean died. But not just the ocean, even on the rivers and lakes and springs, there's no water left on the whole earth. You want to know why God went in there and wept? Because again, he had to wipe out a world that had abandoned and rejected him and become totally evil by that time. Um, all became like blood. It, it, rem remember, it reminds us of Revelation chapter 14. Remember this? The angel gave uh, everyone one last chance to repent when he was flying over just before this, you know, before the wrath. And he's saying, please repent. Don't take the mark of the beast. Repent. Uh, Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel flying mid-heaven saying, <clears throat> having the eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. You think that's going to remind them when all the water is now blood on the whole planet? They're going to remember, dude, the angel warned us. God gave us this, but we rejected and rebelled against him. Ver, uh, Revelation 16, 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, um, we're not going to talk about that, but there's an angel of waters and we're going to find an angel of fire too. Interesting, right? Okay. Uh, all we can do is speculate. The Bible never tells us what this means. So speculation, we're told not to exceed that which is written in the word of God. It's fun to speculate, step away from the pulpit. Wow, there's an angel in charge of water. There's an angel in charge of fire. And God made all of this. And well, why not? You know, keeping the waters pure, keeping all of that healthy and all of this. But notice what this angel says. Righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. That's what this angel says. Whoa. All right. True global warming is the next uh, bull, and this will be global warming. Revelation 6, 7. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has uh, the power over these plagues, and they did not repent or give him honor. They hated light and loved darkness. In Revelation 16.10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. 
and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Now, these people, first sores, then pains, then no water, all, all the water is going to turn to blood. Um, man. Then the next angel, Revelation 16, 12, pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so the way that uh, would be prepared for the kings of the east. And you can see where the Euphrates River is there on that map. Okay, The kings of the east would more likely be Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, India, China, and Thailand, and a few others due east from Israel. Do you see that? Okay, just due east from that. All right. Why? What do you think? Why would that be a bull of wrath drying up the river Euphrates? Ground army. Ground army. You got it. So all the armies who are part of the Antichrist one world government could get to Megiddo. It's for the battle of Armageddon, the last battle. That's why the Euphrates is, is dried up. Revelation 16, 13, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and this is the next verse, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Okay, that war is Armageddon. He tells us in the next verse. Oh, but there's a parenthetical before the war. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes on, so he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. Remember, we're not going to be here for this. I think he threw that on there just to say, folks, you're not going to be here. I'm going to come like a thief and get you prior to the wrath. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's a parenthetical. The next verse, and they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew, which is called Har-Mageddon, or we call it Armageddon. Are you with me? Okay, so that he dries up the Euphrates so that all those armies can come on foot to Armageddon. What are they going to do at Armageddon? Fight Jesus Christ. Yeah, they think it's the last battle. They're going to destroy Jesus Christ once and for all. God's wrath is complete with the seventh bull, Revelation 16, 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bull upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. Remember what Christ said on the cross? It is finished. Same thing. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty that the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God. This isn't when Babylon is destroyed, but it was remembered that how Babylon was destroyed. Babylon's destroyed in the first half of the 70th week of Daniel. We're going to talk about Babylon next week, the great whore, the harlot Babylon. To give her a cup of wine of his fierce wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found the earthquake was so severe the whole world is shaking like crazy <sighs> remember in the old covenant people were stoned yeah for sin they had taken them out and stoned them 
Well, now God is going to stone the rest of those that are left on the earth, Revelation 16, 21. And huge hailstones about, note this, 100 pounds each. I want you to consider, where are you going to hide from that? Uh, came down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. And with that, we end the wrath of God. The very next event after those hailstones, they're all gathering to Armageddon to fight Jesus Christ at the second coming of Christ. Then the earth will be made new. The temple mount will be made new. Mount Zion will be the greatest thing. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The child will play with the cobra. Wouldn't that be fun? Playing with it? I mean, I like to play with snakes. I, I used to have pet snakes. So, you know, a cobra, that'd be pretty cool. But they're, hey, they're not going to bite us anymore. Man, the world is going to be like the Garden of Eden. I want you to think about it. I've been hiking in these canyons and saw a mountain lion, Cheryl and I once. She grabbed me. She goes, look. And I'm like, what, what? I was looking for snakes. And she goes, right there. And I look up, and it was like from here to the cross, uh, away, right in the middle of the trail, staring me dead straight. And I don't know why I was overwhelmed Partly fear, but partly I just wanted to call it over and pet it. <laughs> you know, I, I, it was just like, I was so cute. Well, in the millennial reign, guess what we're going to get to do? We're going to get to pet all those. Yeah, yeah we're going to live in harmony. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden for a thousand years. And we get to rule and reign with them. Oh, man. Okay, so that ends the seven years, the 70th week of Daniel, that final bull of wrath in the Battle of Armageddon. So next week, we're going to talk about Babylon, Mystery Babylon. Who is it? What does she do? And then we get to talk about our eternal state, the marriage supper of the Lamb, what the party, toga party in heaven is going to be like, and then how we're going to rule and reign with Christ, and then the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, where we will spend eternity on the new earth. That's going to be amazing, right? All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, To wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. So just remember, we're going to go out prior to all the judgment and wrath that God is going to pour out on this planet. So we need to be zealous for the things of God. Zealous for the faith in these last days. And we overcome by our faith. So next week, Babylon. And that's going to be a really interesting study. Some people think it's America. Some people think it's Saudi Arabia. Some people think it's the Catholic Church. Uh, we're going to explore literally from Genesis to Revelation who Mystery Babylon is. It's the greatest power in the world before the Antichrist comes on the scene. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word, I love the word.
satisfies my needs.